Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 33, From Nightmares Review, Part 2. So what you're saying is that we need to kidnap Matt Mercer. <laughs> we don't need to kidnap Matt Mercer. We, we've got, like, uh, apparently Australian Nick Fury, so I mean... Fuck it. Oh, we'll just, that's true. Yeah, that's it. What do we need Matt Mercer for? <laughs> Ransom. Actually, you know what? I from could... the D&D community and just be like, well, give him back if you start playing through the breach. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's it. Um, that's it. But yeah, no, I, um, the other thing that I think makes the game really, really good is, of course, the fluff. And that's why I'm so, I was so excited about this, you know, getting, getting into the part two of like the, the look at From Nightmares thing because, yeah. All of the stuff that's come out before. I mean, there's been new stuff in each of the books, and I recently did like a very brief, rev- like kind of overview review of like uh, some of the books so far. Um, are we? Re- are, is this? Ca- is, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna publish this part. Oh, you can just publish. We, it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we started. We started. Hey, welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels. <laughs> this is part two of a review of From Nightmares. It's a little late. Deal with it. Cancer sucks. Bye. Um, continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things I think that makes um. Through the breach, really strong is just how deeply ingrained a lot of the lore around uh, around the actual setting is. Because part one is it is very it is obviously an alternate Earth, meaning that if I as an Australian want to role play an Australian, I know what that's like because we we have something directly to impose upon. But then when you look at like a fantasy setting, it's like you know like dwarves are Scottish, of course. You know a bunch of Scottish people who run around with like big birds and. You know, yeah, it's that's fine. They take all of that and sort of go, you know what? Rather than having, you know, like uh, something that we can relate to, let's create monsters. Let's create creatures that are beyond fathom. You don't like what is in the mind of a slurid? You know, I mean, how much patience must you must you have as a as a gigant to live up in the frozen north just because you know, great grandpop uh, Euripides had a bad feeling once, you know? Like, Mal- hold on, hold on. No, no, no. He's now in Malifaux Nick Fury. Yeah, he's Malifaux. <laughs> right? Um, so, oh, God. So, you know, um, and because everything is new, everything is discoverable, everything is something that is encouraging you as a, as a consumer of Malifaux lore to uh, just dig in and explore... That for me is like 101 for a good setting. It is something that makes you want to get in, get in and be a part of it. And, uh, from nightmares, like cuts open and spreads the viscera of all that neverborn lore just <laughs> everywhere, uh, in the most brilliant of fashions. I mean, I think I actually found it really hard to find portions of the lore in this book that were covered anywhere else in, in the Malifaux lore. Um, no. so it's so much of it was just so new and yeah. Kid in a candy store, mate. Kid in a candy store. Yeah. Okay. So like coming from just the, the Malifa side of things and Minnie's game, the reason this book is so important and critical it has answered a lot of questions we've had since day one of the existence of this game, which is, which is amazing. Um, really, we don't have any truly huge questions to answer anymore. I mean, there's a few. Out I, there, oh, but now we I, just have. I, I would say, what? I would say, I would say. Okay, so this is me. This is me because I. This is now my favorite thing, and now <laughs> it's just. I, I didn't even know it existed before this book, and now I Ooh. do, and now I'm like, oh my god! Now I have even more questions, and I hate everything. 
Uh, and that is the um, the new uh, the new I guess Neverborn species that existed, which was the um, uh, I'm, I don't even know how to pronounce it. The uh, the Oa Aoa A O A. Yeah. What? Yeah. It. Yeah. The it, the 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 Mongolian throat noise. You know. <sighs> you know whatever you call it. Um. Yeah. They are so fascinating. I want to know everything about them, and now there is nothing. And I'm like, oh, God, you've replaced the Neverborn, you know? Like, we used to know nothing about these guys, and now now we don't know about these dudes, who apparently built um, civilization in Malifaux, had constructs and robots, had constructs and robots running around um, in a time when the Neverborn were ancient. Like, ugh, and I'm just like, I want to know everything about them. And, and, and I, I talked to Matt, I bothered him, I shook him, I shook him around violently, and he wouldn't tell me anything, so... <laughs> I love how they they kind of use that to answer like where did the abominations in the red cage come from to and then just make more questions like no what are these guys doing <laughs> who are these dudes no no go back no, hold, hold on you can't just gloss yeah. over these desert yeah, yeah, people just, you just imagine them like they're just sitting sitting down and just like okay can you explain what's happening with all this and they just look at you and they're like aliens <laughs> like you bastards. <laughs> No, but yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It it did answer so many questions that um that were just there since day one. Um and again, uh, I think that they've just ad- they've just added a ton more, which is great, you know, like I said, exploration and all that and uh that that want and desire, which is definitely there. First result coming up for Googling Awa is American Urological Association. Damn it. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Well, we found that yeah, out. We found it that out. was a, kind of a, a dis- dis- disturbing revelation. Okay, why, why don't we start from the beginning? You kind of hinted at one of the one of the big things. Uh, yeah, beginning of the book, the the very start of Malifaux, the world, the the universe, uh, done did happen, and we get these long lived beings, um, pretty much collectively known as the Fae. And um, each of them is kind of, they're very almost Dungeons and Dragons-esque in uh, how they look and work. Whereas, like, what we now know of today as the Neverborn is a very far cry from these things. So they, they have dryads. I think you all know what dryads are, uh, force people. They've got uh, gigants, gigants, uh, big, giant people, cold, cold boys. Uh, sirens, which uh, is very elemental. Uh, so you got dryads with the forest, giants out in the mountains, sirens in the oceans, the Awa, A-U-A. Have fun trying to pronounce that. <laughs> We're having... Three vowels. Yeah. Yes. Mongolian throat noise. That's that's all I'm doing is just... <sighs> uh, they hang out in the desert, and these are the people that's just like, hey, you know what? We're just going to create technology. Incredible technology. Which just sort of throws a wrench into this sort of seeming like it's all an all-natural existence of beings. Uh, along with that, we have the the Dreaming Ones, which is a long name for, uh, I guess, a race? You could call them a race. A, a race of old Malifaux. And um, fun fact about them, they're the reason that Malifaux City's architecture is just so borked. Is apparently they, they, they like to dream, they like to head out into the, the realm of dreams. It, it it'll its name will change in the future, uh, and it, it, they seem to have tapped into the dreams of humans, you know, across the great ether. And because of those dreams, they were able to see into. They got you know wind of 
human architecture, and so just sort of plastered it about Malifaux City. Oh, well, Malifaux City also has a has an actual name, it, but uh, it's well, well, we'll get to that. Um, last but not least is the others or the keepers of magic. Um, they don't describe these too much, except for they you know like magic, and they're referred to as the feathered ones. Which, um, to me, pretty much means that that's probably Titania. Or they look like Titania. Because wings. Anything, anything, any, like, interesting tidbits about these, these different races? And they all lived happily ever after. Nothing bad happened. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sir- Sirens in Malifaux, please. I mean, just saying. Because they're in the other side of the moment, which is great. But I want them in Malifaux. I want to... <laughs> I want, I want, I want the Dua to suddenly, like, be able to... Oh, sorry, the EVA to, uh... To let me use some some big old sirens. Look what we found. Yeah, hey, check it out. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, you know, mild spoilers that aren't really spoilers, but like the idea that nightmares didn't exist until the tyrant nightmare kind of seems to be implied because it's just a dream realm, and then no longer a old, dream uh, realm. Only bad old, dreams. Old Chompy Boy gets his uh his talons in there and makes it a little different. Mm. <laughs> There's an interesting implication to that. I also, um, on, on the note of the tyrants, do love that they, um, that they decided to, to follow, like, the journey of the Neverborn from, like, their beginnings, which, um, you've just described as being reasonably, uh, I wouldn't say civil, but, like, you know, they're, they're like, you know, they're, it's peaceful. It's like there's, it is a world live and, and full of, um, wonder and amazement, you know, even the names that they use, like the dryads, the gigants, the sirens, the the awa the dreaming ones you know there's just this sense of of just magic and mysticism and then bam tyrants malifaux you know um so i think i think as a as far as the story goes yeah no i i love the the early days of the fae and and stuff like that it's uh, very well written okay well let's get into the bad things um well <laughs> yeah, this isn't necessarily bad unless you count government as you know, let's move on <laughs> Um, Shh, quiet, they they're listening. Put on your tinfoil hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We need some sort of like centralized government. So all of the leaders of the different Fey get together and they create the Autumn Court. Hey, we know what that is. Uh, and they, they call it Autumn to remind the Fey that everything is capable of fading, everything is capable of dying. While the Fey are long-lived, they aren't invincible. So that that's where the name comes from. Uh, they, the Dryads pretty much pledge themselves to be guardians of the Autumn Corps, which is where they become the, the Autumn Knights. So, what we see as the Autumn Knights in Malifaux are formerly Dryads, as far as we know. Which makes sense, considering how they look. <clears throat> um, and eventually, after many, many years of deliberation, they elect a queen called Titania. Hey, first and only queen of the Fae. Um... Not, nothing to do with her, for sure. Um, I guess one of the interesting things is that she apparently gets like these super-duper cool golden glowy eyes, and um, nothing happens to them, and she keeps them for the rest of her life up until nowadays. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna just, I'm just going to keep making these jokes. <laughs> They're also glowing eyes that like only see the truth. <laughs> sight beyond sight. Pretty cool. Okay, so you've heard of the expression absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well... That kind of shit happens here. See, the the Fae, uh, in their longevity and boredom, just start effing around with magic. And they get more and more powerful and start pushing more and more boundaries. And this starts upsetting people. Um, And eventually they get to a point where 
12 of these fae become so ding-darn powerful that they decide that they're just... They, 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 none of the rules apply to them. And uh, war kind of happens. Now, here's the really interesting thing. The book specifies the name of... the title of Tyrant as someone who creates life. So now we know what exactly makes a tyrant. It's something that can create life. Um, it's life that you know, obviously can stay alive and reproduce and all this other stuff. Um, so these creations of the tyrants are referred to as the Nephilim. Um, now, they weren't like all just one species. There are a bunch of different things, but they were all brought together under the banner of things created by the tyrants. And eventually, the tyrants obviously want more and more power from power, and they rub up against each other, and then they start fighting. And lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fey and Nephilim die. Yay! Yay! So anyone that was out there was like, oh man, the Nephilim are the the, the Nephil- Neverborn are the true true uh, good guys in Malifaux. They never did done did anything wrong. They fucked up just as bad as humans did. So shut up. Well, uh, it depends on your point of view. I mean, like, I'm, I am, I, I am not a, a I, I am definitely a Neverborn sympathizer here because I mean, you could be wrong. I mean, I mean, I want, okay. I want to paint a picture. I want to paint a picture because that, that's what I do, right? That you're in the Autumn Court, okay? Titania is sitting on the throne. In walks in the first of these these people. They 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 turn around. And they're like, hey, listen, Titania, check out what I've made. It's life. I've created life from magic. Behold, I'm going to call it the Nephilim. Isn't that a beautiful name? A Nephilim. I'm going to call you a tyrant because you made a life. How dare you? But I, it's beautiful. Don't you appreciate it? Nope, you're a tyrant. That's the name. Can't I be like the life bringer or the spirit caller or the forger of, of creativity? No, tyrant. That's what we're naming you. That's everyone who does what you just did. How about James? Everyone called me James up until now. <laughs> no, you're called Shizul now. <laughs> you're, you're oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's 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 set up for villainy. Um the uh, the Nephilim were uh were uh, in my mind very uninvolved uh in the sense of like they did not have at that stage a motivation beyond the loyalty to their literal creator. Um, who, again, as, as you kind of implied, and it's actually true, did it just because you possibly mm-hmm. could. Uh, you know, and, um, I kind of feel for them. I kind of feel like, you know, there was, they weren't created with an intention. They weren't created to be violent or for war or for battle. They were just kind of dragged into it because of this, um, this kind of prejudice that just erupted around, uh, the tyrants and what they began to do with the power that they, uh, they, they, started acquiring so i mean yeah there's definitely obviously going to be those who are nephilim who are you know like full gung-ho like you know nakima and stuff like that who who really lean into that whole like you kind of you kind of kind of you know making us look bad you know yeah just uh <laughs> is there a chill setting you know um but uh <laughs> but um but i think um i think at this stage this very 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 early stage i felt that the nephilim were very empathetic i felt like yes. like they were just definitely mm-hmm. tricked i guess almost or suckered into into a war that was not their own but yeah yeah that's that that's my that's my my two cents on yeah. on, on, on they're they're very unfortunate victims cuz they really don't have a choice in any of this like mm. they can either align with their creator or 
realize their creator is an abusive monster and align with the Fae. Like, they're really just kind of pawns mm. in, in this it, much bigger game. Mm. Here's the interesting thing, is that the tyrants created this life, but they also gave them agency to decide where their allegiances lie, which is which is kind of interesting. Odd. Well, you see, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You, you see, there's also like the kind of, greetings, I have made you, and I want you to just be aware that I could unmake you with the same instant of whimsy. Now, do you want to follow me, or do you want to have your own agency? Uh, I'll follow you, man who can create life and possibly wipe me from the face of the earth. Yeah. Uh, and that is purely my choice. Mm-hmm. Yup, yup, yup. <laughs> my choice to not die. <laughs> I think, like, go- going back to your, to your example, I don't think the title of Tyrant really specifically came from... The, them being able to create life, but them having enough power to do so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's it's still it's still like a it's still like a very poor um, uh, what do you call it? It's 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 like a, it sets it up for what it is. You know what I mean? It, it, here's he here's a headcanon for you. The word tyrant. You're looking at the word tyrant as in what the humans, what us humans call a tyrant. What we know the definition of a tyrant is. What if it was just a label? that the Fae gave to these people, and they eventually became these bad, horrific mass murderers. And then once Nephilim started migrating to Earthside, they pressed that word into the human culture as like, hey, these things are absolutely horrible. They're Mm. the worst of the worst. That'd be kind of cool. Like, tyrant tyrant before the definition. Like, that was the origin of the word. I like that. I like that headcanon. You know what? I really appreciate that headcanon. I'm not the Genghis Khan guy. He's acting like a real tyrant. <laughs> yeah, and it's not the de- spreads across Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay, oh, where are we on the list? Okay, so eventually, yes, they they the egos grow, power grows. There's eventually going to be conflict, and then they start fighting. All the tyrants start fighting each other. Never ever assume tyrants are going to work with other tyrants because they don't. They hate each other. There can only be one. Uh, it's it's a it's a thir- twelve man. Thunderdome, but also like the locals are also participating, or mostly caught in the crossfire. Um, so real, real quick, we're we're currently sitting at twelve tyrants. Notice I said twelve, not thirteen, because that's a that's a little that's a little different. Uh, that that that'll come around later. So we have Shizul, who they kind of the book kind of like describes as the worst of the worst of the tyrants. This is the guy that just kills things because he likes killing things. Uh, Meridian, which is. Uh, currently side of commanding the gibbering hordes on Earthside. December, we all know December. Despair is currently in the box that Pandora's carrying. Gorgon is in the big green soul stone that was in Seamus's head, but now is, we don't know. We have an idea. Um, Sharufe likes setting things on fire. Good for him. Nightmare um, likes messing with those dreaming ones we mentioned before. And by messing, we mean murdering. He likes killing them. Plague, uh, disease, mm-hmm. currently uh, residing in Hamtaro, or um, <laughs> Hamelin, I guess, is what most people call him. Uh, obliteration. Really, he's he, he's like the most millennial of all the, the tyrants. Let me look at the description real quick, because it's, it's... Oh, God. And just like that, he lost all Go his... on. <laughs> lost all the millennial followers. Like, yep, that's it. Obliteration has had tired of existence and weary of others, so sought to bring them. So sought, so sought to bring them the same peace that he so desperately desired. 
Have you know anything about nihilism? <laughs> oh yeah. Now you're always gonna have um, one one of those nihilistic uh, nihilistic uh, deity-ish kind of creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Fortune, who's also now currently in Pandora's box. Uh, mm-hmm. The dragon, who is half of them is possessing Shenlong, and the other half. Uh, oh, well, we'll get to that later. Um, and lastly is Witness, who seems like very polarizing as far as tyrants. Some saw them as a, like an arbiter of justice, and other ones saw them as uh, kind of like a. What, what do they explain here? Viewed as tyranny. Yeah, the word, that's the word tyranny. Um, and so, actually, the, let me let me sidetrack here. We don't know a lot about Witness. We've only seen her in the Soulstone Geode and one like a single blurb back in Second Edition. And then the uh, big fight between Ramos and Sonya that would actually took place inside of her cage, but she wasn't released. But the interesting thing is that the description about Witness almost seems like Lady Justice has some sort of thing going on with her. Now, they never really hinted at it. It seems like Justice's sole thing is that she has some sort of pseudo-necromancy powers, but... It, like talking about balancing scales and justice and all this other sort of thing makes it seem like it might be in certain sort of play with Lady Justice, and we also know that it had something to do with um, Perdita back when mm-hmm. a- avatars were a thing. So Witness seems to be effing with the uh, guild models, which makes the most sense considering tyranny. But uh, those are those are the. Uh, Tyrants in play. A lot of some of them are like, "Hey, I'm going to amass this giant army and kill everything," or "Hey, I'm perfectly powerful on my own. I'm going to go out into the desert and kill all these nice people before uh, Dead Aussie Gamer can find out what they do." <laughs> uh, a lot of them are like a lot more subtle in how they approach to gaining power, which is interesting because you'd think these really, really magically powerful beings would, like, be massive warlords or wizards on their own, right? But, but like, uh, Fortune and Gorgon and Despair and even the Dragon have a lot more subtlety to how they do things. They influence other people and grow their power that way, which I absolutely love. It gives you a lot more space to work with each of them having a different personality uh, for an, on Weird's behalf, so I appreciate that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we're, war is happening, people are dying, lots and lots and lots of people are dying. Oh, I skipped a part. So here's a little bit of th- of answers people might have been asking. Um, we had been told that Malifaux, had, Malifaux City had a sister city. And that was out in the bayou, and that was like sunken into the ground. Well, now we finally get that backstory. Turns out, Shizul kicked off the Tyrant Wars by just kind of blowing it up. Uh, it went by the name of uh, Sankor Sid. The, the spelling is pretty pretty difficult. T S A N K O R space S apostrophe I D. And we know the Sid part is pretty much Fey uh, for city because Malifaux City is referred to as Malifaux Sid. So there's that. So Zul blows it up, sinks it into the ground, and then Meridian's like, don't mind if I do, sweeps in kidnaps everyone that's left alive, pretty much removes all the water and creates the bayou, and now is going along using its uh, their, the siren slaves to uh, just wreak havoc along the coastlines. Um, okay. Moving on. <laughs> Don't be... Feel free to interrupt me if you need to. Oh, no, no, you've, you you've got to. this. Yeah, I got this. Well, uh, actually, okay. no, I will interrupt. Yep. 
Um, yes, please. So uh, one of the things about Through the Breach, of course, is when you are um, using sources of inspiration uh, to create your own campaign setting or your, uh, sorry, campaign adventure. Playing out the influence of the tyrants, I think, is something that is very important. Um, there are rules for playing tyrants in Through the Breach, not as a player, but as your as your, as a fate master. Uh, for one, you always flip a red joker, which <laughs> Jesus, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You always, you always flip a red joker. You are never supposed to deal directly with a tyrant um, at all. Um, and while, of course, the Malifaux canon has a timeline and a history and a story, of course, when you, uh, as a Fate Master, are playing the game, you might decide that maybe December's had enough of Rasputina and is going to inhabit the body of one of your players. And, you know, stuff happens. You know, it, it changes uh, right. from game to game. I think one of the important things that you said uh, is something that I think people should hold dearly when they look at this, is that... The lore behind the 13 isn't just about telling you where they come from, but what they're like. Um, and there's a little sidebar on page 26 of the, mm. um, of the From Nightmares book, which I absolutely love. Um, yeah, and I, I love this too. Yeah. It's really good. And I think it's, I, th- I think it, I think it goes, uh, it, it, like, it just, they're little phrases that tell you about, um, each of the different, uh, tyrants at this stage. I'll just read one of them out because, you know, I mean, I don't want to spend all the time reading out all these little things. But, like, for... The one one of dreams grows strong, remembering hidden behind a mask of petulant youth, yet with another skin to share. Now, much like the destinies in Through the Breach for the players, I read these as kind of like destinies for the, the different tyrants. And um, I love stuff like that. And using that to sort of inspire those people who are influenced by these different tyrants is just a strong move as a fate master. So if you want to influence your game with a bit of tyrant stuff, go to that page, go to that sidebar, just draw inspiration from the phrase associated with with whichever tyrant you want to use. And then, yeah, have people who are uh, influenced by that tyrant or being manipulated by the tyrant. And um, I think you'll have a really great opportunity to bring those elements into your game okay back back to it we're back to recording hooray um so titania leader of the autumn court uh fighter for justice and the good guys definitely takes the high road in her uh <laughs> war with the ty- no of course she doesn't truth justice in the malifaux way <laughs> yeah, so she decides that she's going to rely, just experiment with every dirty trick she has access to. Um, one of those things is uh, she created Cadmus, which is good. It's great. That's not gonna. That's not gonna go wrong. That's definitely not gonna go wrong. Uh, she made the the abominations that escaped uh, when the red cage fell. So all of those things that killed countless gremlins, Nate. Uh, that's, that's Titania's fault. Uh, she started researching necromancy, um, and due to that, uh, that got in the hands of humans, so, um, all those people that died due to evil necromancers, that, thank Titania for that. I don't see a problem. Uh, so yeah, Titania definitely, definitely fought dirty. Uh, so she's not the, the pure-hearted queen some people were hoping she was. Here's the thing that I wanted, I don't want to complain because it makes yes, perfect sense to me. It's not a complaint because <laughs> I understand where they're coming from. Titania made Cadmus as well as we, we assume some other things. She created life. So how is she not a tyrant? 
And, How is well, she not labeled it as a tyrant? Well, strictly speaking, Cadmus is not life. Cadmus is a uh, a hive mind, which inhabits and inhibits the body of life. So, as an entity, it depends on whether or not one would count uh, creating a type of parasite as a type of life. I mean, in some cases, yes, of course. But I think in this particular case, um, what is Cadmus without a host? Uh, just to blow a hole in that argument, she also created uh, Zanakta, the keeper of the necropolis, and it's whatever whatever it is, it's cult that uh, <laughs> after after the whole you know releasing necromancy into Malifaux thing, basically wrote down all the necromantic texts and then like hid them around the city for necromancers. Sure, no to one find. finds this, <laughs> but is it alive? Is hmm. the question. Secret books. Enjoy, hey, humans. Okay, My, uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Aussie Gamer, sir. <laughs> Hashtag tapeworms are people too. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they are. They are considered life, though. Yeah, par- so. parasites are considered life, and uh. so it, it could possibly be a mutually beneficial arrangement if Cadmus wanted it to. I don't think it does, though. As Jeff Goldblum once said, "Life uh, finds a way." <laughs> So, uh, but I, okay. I see it, it as it, I s- in which case I would then just go to the reason likely that she's not called a tyrant is if we look at the etymology of the word tyrant in the way that uh, the head canon has been described, uh, <laughs> she she may possibly have been removed and kind of be almost like stricken from the history books before a time in which she was referred to as one. You awesome. see, the reason Titania isn't called a tyrant is because she was the one doing the calling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I see. I think it's. I think the word tyrant the was used as pointer. propaganda. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to call all my enemies tyrants. Not me. No, I'm the good um, one. I'm. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. But to to play devil's no, advocate. No, see, on. I I did it for the right reasons. So. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, to, that to play, makes it okay. To to super play devil's advocate on Titania, I don't think that there is. I <laughs> Keep mean, trying. I mean, look. What would you like? You're looking at you're looking at the twelve tyrants <laughs> in an all-out civil war, tearing apart literally the fabric mm. of existence here with with power that is unrivaled. Look, no one said that Titania's role as queen should be one of like this, like you know, freaking Queen Guinevere type nonsense, you know. Um, and I think Titania did what she needed to in order to try and end what she thought was a far worse problem. She tried to take the lesser of two evils, which ultimately worked. It ultimately uh, was able to weaken them enough to be able to end the catastrophe that all 12 were ringing across Malifaux. Um, for like 15 minutes. For 15 minutes, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? But, 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 but to, to, to rest on one's laurels and not do anything at all, I feel, would have been a far worse scenario to be in. Because, I mean... Any of the tyrants could have uh, cracked open any of those particular doors that Titania did, and um, the results would have been different. I mean, imagine if Plague had been the one to found necromancy, and um, you know, zombie apocalypses were actually a thing where everyone who got bitten was infected by blight, and then also became undead, and then enjoy that. You know, yeah, the the, the results. You know, the the what if scenarios would be amazing. Like, what if Titania didn't do this? Um, I- I like the I, idea that in, like, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, Malifaux somehow, like, comes to a natural conclusion. Like, a- like actually, like, the whole story is over. All the tyrants are defeated. 
good wins out over evil, whoever that is in Malifel, and then Michael just comes back at us, I was right! <laughs> <laughs> Titania did it! No, I don't think any of us are, like, trying to say that Titania shouldn't have done what she do- did. Wow, words. But, uh... <laughs> It's more like, why isn't she labeled also as a tyrant when she did pretty much exactly the same thing? Because she's the one who wrote the dictionary. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely hypocrisy there. Absolutely. (laughs) There's 100% hypocrisy. I I do not doubt that. I do not deny that for a second. Um, And if we're getting getting into debates, I would say that none of the tyrants would have done what Titania did because then they would be taking someone else's power and sharing that glory. And they're much too self-fulfilling in. (laughs) <laughs> loving of oneself to like you know what I'm going to conquer everything from help. my own power I don't need no grave spirit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true okay let's let's get into that so she creates Kythera she hires some dude someone some to build Kythera some, individual, some, some individual someone without a name that we know of hint hint wink wink uh, creates uh, the gate of Kythera once that's done uh, Titania herself opens it. Hey, look, here's the grave spirit. What could possibly go wrong? Her eyes immediately explode. Um, <clears throat> and everyone else who had the big glowy cool eyes that had their eyes explode. Which explains why she has the bleeding eye sockets. You're welcome, Malifaux. But she just goes all like Avatar State with the grave, the power of the grave spirit and just kind of wrecks the bodies of all the tyrants. At least the ones that faced her. A lot of them just kind of ran away because suddenly they learned of the thing called fear and they didn't <laughs> like it one bit, no sir. Is this what pain is? Is this what pain feels like? <laughs> and the guy holding the elevator door open is like, oh, fuck, that's bad. Let me let me close this. So Titania loses her, her go-juice before she can fully kill the tyrants. Uh, and the rest of the fae are kind of mad. Uh... Slightly, slightly at her for this because yeah the tyrants are dead but they're not dead dead full, fully dead not now there's quite death dead. energy everywhere <laughs> yeah just just make it messing up things and just lowering your property value <laughs> <laughs> so the fae uh decide you know what so, uh f you titania hey sh- strongly worded letter from your boy the HOA. The, your boy that made the <laughs> the gates we're gonna hire them and they're gonna make a cage for you and they they throw her they throw her in the cage sad boo uh also they kind of just sort of exterminated the entire autumn court yeah that was brutal <laughs> yep can't have people Slightly. loyal to the person who saved us from tyrants i mean my god yeah what would, <laughs> what would happen then Sorry. <sighs> Basically, everyone's having a bad time. <laughs> oh, do not apologize. Yeah. The one no, no, thing I was going to say. I, 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 look, I, I, I'm saltier than Gremlin Pork Crackle. I mean, like, just <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this, this, this is not this is not the um, this is not the format where we apologize for anything. <laughs> so, uh, reiterating, Kythera was created. You know, the entire basis for like the first book of Malifaux. It opened up. The Grave Spirit, the Entity of Death, comes to Malifaux, uh, wrecks, wrecks shit for, like, 15 minutes, and then they close the door, but they didn't close it all the way, so all this evil, deathly goo, or whatever, is infecting Malifaux. It's making things bad. People are unhappy with, with Titania because she let this thing inside. 
And, uh, complete, yeah, again, completely forgetting the fact that she did kind of spank the tyrants. I will agree with you on that one. And so they throw her in a box. Now, uh, just everything's bad. So many people are dead. The tyrants aren't. Damn it. <laughs> They're still floating around as, like, ghosts influencing things and trying to get their power back. Everything sucks. So, the, what's left over of the Fae and the True Nephilim, we're gonna call them True Nephilim, because, uh, the Nephilim we know of today are different. So the remainders of those, uh, decide, you know what, we need to put the rest of the tyrants in a box. And so they bring back the guy who's like, hey, you made that Kythera and the Nythera. Good job with your naming scheme. Uh, <laughs> we want you to make boxes for these things. And so they did. But you can't call them uh, they formed Yes. They, they formed the Kytheran Council and um, started figuring out ways to, to trap all these tyrants. Some of them they trapped, some of them they didn't. They first attempted to just cage them in uh, giant mechs they called uh, Talos? Yeah, Talos engines. Mm. Talos engines. Talos I wondered, boys. Yeah, it's too bad we never see one of those ever again in the story. Well, right, uh, they sound really cool. Isn't, um, wasn't Plague kept in, in, in Talos for, like, ages? Uh, I feel like that's in Talos' that... story. That um, that I think I if I I mean I might be wrong, but I feel like Talos were uh, kept plague up until the point where Hamlin grabbed him. Oh uh, no, he was like buried in the um, necropolis behind like a they they call it a wall of fate. Yeah, pretty a much wall of fate. <laughs> pretty much magical ominous. fate prevented people from accidentally stumbling upon uh, plague until. Freaking Hamlin room. Oh, it. yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. I... all it says about the Talos engines is that they were just a massive failure. Yes. Like, they put, they put, they got a tyrant or two in them, and then they just broke because there was too much tyrant juice. Sad too much tyrant juice. Um, <laughs> too much, too much tyrant, tyrant juice. juice. But I did love what they eventually came up with, which was, uh, in my mind, one of the most poetic things. Like, the whole, like, we are going to imprison them in cages of their own making. Their own power. That was, yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's that's except that's the dope. guys that got away. Yeah, except except obviously it didn't work, but it was very cool. It's like we shall create a cage of ruby and steel. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yes, but they will break out of it almost immediately. But the cage will <laughs> it's be very fake. But but the cage will be super pretty. It's gonna be so <laughs> badass. We're gonna put this shit in space. But it's not gonna work. But we have a way to bring it back down. Yeah. But it doesn't oh, no, work. Just leave it up there. But that drip, though. <laughs> Respect the drip. Respect the drip. Name nameless tyrant of drip. <laughs> so trippy. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll go to, through these real quick. Uh, Meridian was trapped within ley lines. Um, they, they used ley lines as a source of power, so going to use that against them. Uh, Shrufe was thrown in the red cage. Uh, using 13 relic hammers to seal the nails on the cage, and then they found wanna... out that the cage wasn't quite enough, so they just yeeted it into space. I want to point out the whole 13 relic hammers thing, because that's, you'd think, you know, 12, you'd think there'd be 12 for the 12 tyrants, like, Nameless would be like, hey, why are you building that 13 one, that 13th <laughs> hammer, that's kind of odd. Oh, don't, don't worry about it, Nameless, it's all, it's all good. Don't we were thinking about calling it Titania, but we're not sure yet. <laughs> Um, uh, Nightmare ran away into the, into the, well, now Nightmare Realm, because he just kind of morphed it into his own lair. Uh, After fortune, genociding the Dreaming Ones. Poor, poor Dreaming Ones. Poor Dreaming Ones. 
Uh, Fortune ran and hid like a coward. Uh, the dragon <laughs> was almost caged, and then he's like, you know what? I could just cut myself in two. And then flex tape will be invented, and I'll put myself back together. <laughs> See, I, I'm just imagining one of those flex lizards, seal. you know, when you grab them by the tail, they just sort of spin and the tail drops off. Mm. This is kind of like exactly mm. what Dragon's done, except like he's like this massive freaking dragon, just like, oh no, <laughs> he has my tail. No, 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 And then he stands up on two feet and then runs away like a, like a freaking... <laughs> The, the one actually like dragony form is in Shenlong, and the other form is just a tail in the bayou, <laughs> wailing around. This is canon now. Yeah, that's this it. is this is this is canon. Um, <laughs> but yes, half of it went uh, shot itself across the ether to Earth, and the other one flew into the bayou. Hey, yes. Nate, yes. is there anything you want to say about this? Yes, I was right. <laughs> there is there is a dragon in the swamp, and I want it. I want all of it. I could want you, to know could you, more. Could you clarify on that? So this is the third hint we've had towards the black dragon in the in the bayou. Uh, the first was a brief mention of it in I think maybe the Tong clan in the into the bayou book. Yeah, um, where they mention this this woman who calls herself the black dragon and teaches them all kinds of fun gremlin necromancy. <laughs> Joy. Um, and then. It was on the Explorer Society map in the Explorer's book where we see a mention of a dragon in the Here in be the dragons, bayou. I think. Yeah, here be dragons or something deep in the bayou where the Tong clan lives. And hey. then here we are again. There's a dragon in the swamp. There's a dragon in the swamp. Three times is a pattern. I'm going to get that on a shirt. There's a dragon. I want my swamp, swamp. dragon. Uh, moving right along, the witness was trapped in a soulstone geode. I don't think it really explained why that's like using its power against it. Maybe it's just because the geode has so many pretty sparklies, and the witness is easily distracted. Or it's just We're super shiny, and you could see it, the witness could see its own reflection. It's like, oh no, ah, witness no. the ultimate narcissist. Um, they just specify Shazul was trapped behind a shield of wards. Um. Specifically to starve him of blood. Yes. Mm. Uh, That worked out well. Uh, Gorgon was just trapped inside one soul stone. Doesn't need a geode, but it's green, which makes it better. Um, In a cage of her own whispers, though. Mm. Ah, yes. She has a thing with whispers. She's she's the ASMR uh, uh, tyrant. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Obliteration was trapped in a labyrinth of nothingness. So, like, just an open field. <laughs> I mean, more nothing. Just a big empty room. Yeah, it's like, like open field in like Iowa. It's like this is the extra, worst. Extra this, is the worst la- this is the worst hedge maze I've ever been in. <laughs> oh no! Wait, obliteration <laughs> is in Kansas. <laughs> but he thinks there's a maze. No, it's just I- no, it's just IKEA. So that's it's just a one big, <laughs> one big IKEA. Obliter- you're right. Obliteration <laughs> is allergic to meatballs. It's perfect. <laughs> Okay, uh, December is is trapped in a cage of the four northern winds. Uh, plague plague is just stuck in the necropolis <laughs> behind a behind a wall of fate, which will definitely keep him in there. Hmm. Uh, oh yeah, and they just definitely. put despair in a box. <laughs> just a box. Just a, a puzzle box. Surely nobody will find just this a box. puzzle box. They've seen Hellraiser. They know how that works <laughs> a, out well. A puzzle box that no one can remember. So they don't remember <laughs> putting nameless. In, or putting despair in the box. I like. I like that. Mm. I like, I, this is something feasible. This and is a bad plan. 
and I would understand them like not understanding that despair has the power to make people forget that despair was a bad was was there. Despair was there, uh, but it's also sort of like a case of like, hey, how do the Neverborn not know Pandora's box has a tired in it? There you go. <laughs> There's your answer. Just makes people forget he's there. Uh, and. Um, hey, look. Oh, there's another one. There's a 13th one here. What? What? There's a th- there were 12 tyrants last time I checked. Who's this number 13? Uh, thir- yes. 13 hammers, though. That's weird. Yeah. That's, like- <laughs> that's real weird. Uh, so, so Nameless, the 13th tyrant. Any guesses? Any guesses who Nameless was? Yes, Nameless is actually the engineer that constructed all of these things. That constructed Kythera and Nythera and all these prisons the other theorists because because the fae because the fae and the, the, now the nephilim apparently have a thing of like hey thank you for saving us go fuck yourself <laughs> i mean they did the same thing to titania yes so why yes they, they have precedents <laughs> for doing you know this. and you know they're in, trying to imprison all their problems away do you know do you know what in my in my head canon i kind of imagine that nameless is actually the last or Ooh. Ooh. yeah that makes that. sense mm. That that makes a know, lot that's, of sense. that's just me. I, I I I'm hoping because as soon as I, as soon as I heard about them, I was just, I became obsessed with them, and I thought, man, it would make so much sense given like the amount of innovation that. Yeah, I was goes honestly into. surprised how much, and it's not even that much, but how much we got about Nameless in this book mm. was Almost slightly surprising. Like, Nameless is going to come up as a big player in the current story of Mel. We'll get to that later. Oh. Anyways, the one thing they specified is that Nameless was imprisoned before completing her last machine. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we get into the section called The Twisting. So um, all the tyrants are trapped, never to be released ever again. And the fade just sort of fade off into ex- obscurity. And we're pretty much working with the true Nephilim now as the guy's kind of running the show. And uh, they kind of have to deal with the waning, the, the remaining power of the tyrants and the grave spirit leaking around and just mucking things up. So they kind of force themselves to to morph, to change. I mean, they were created from magic in the first place, so they have the ability to do that relatively well. So the problem is, is that if they do it too much or they go the wrong way, they just kind of become feral creatures. So they specify that's exactly how we got things like Cillarids and... Um, Pretty much anything bad in the bayou, I guess you could say, is uh, uh, came of this. Uh, they don't specify about it, but that pretty much explains how we got gremlins. They were true Nephilim at one point, and then just sort of evolved and changed to a point where they just... I, I think it's a case of, like, they have such short lifespans, they can't be corrupted by tyrants or the uh, uh, the grave spirit too much. They, they don't specify that, but that, that's my guess. Yeah, makes they, sense. they die really fast. They also spawn really, really fast. Good, good on the gremlins. It's also confirmed that you know gremlins are technically a form of uh, Neverborn. So Neverborn has two factions in the game. OP, <laughs> please nerf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that makes perfect sense. So now I can just like you know buy from both crews at the same time. They're both Neverborn. Yeah, they right. It's fine. Um, yeah, you should be able to bring them both. Well, you know, there was one group that didn't uh, undergo the twisting and didn't get murdered because they were part of the Autumn Court, just saying, putting out there, Euripides, hashtag, saw, oh, saw yeah, this shit they, coming. They were hiding out <laughs> in the mountains the entire time. They were they were, they were the Switzerland of Malifaux. <laughs> so Euripides is just up in the mountains going, called it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they betrayed you too, didn't yeah. see that one you, coming. You, you could imagine like this this big winter's peak, the wind is howling in, 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 the, uh, in the north, um... All the giants have sort of gathered around, and they're like, 
Hey, do you know why we're here? Uh, I don't know. Euripides has got something to say. Oh, okay. Well, if it's Euripides, he's he's one of the wisest. Yeah, he can see the future. He knows the old ways. Let's hear what he has to say. Euripides staggering up to the top of the mountain, and he just leans Bottle backwards. Yeah, yeah, le- 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 leans backwards and just goes. I told you so. It echoes throughout Malifaux. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. And that's all. It <laughs> just goes back. Oh god! <laughs> Yay! We'll, we'll and everyone cheered. Yeah, we'll see you in. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you in. Um, we'll see you in third edition. Bye. I'm out. <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> uh, so uh, the other thing they they kind of point out here is that we eventually get the currently three species of Nephilim, Neverborn, uh, and we will eventually know them as Black Bloods. Mimics and woes. Nightmares come much, much, much later. Uh, my notes are wrong. I apologize. The other thing of interest in this section is they talk about Fallow Knights. Now, Malifaux has two moons, uh, Elios and Delios. And when neither of them rise in the sky, which is a very, very, very rare event, lots of wacky shit happens. Pretty much is the same idea of like what a full moon is to human society. But one of the interesting things they point out is, like, a lot of portals open up between Malifaux and Earth. And that's how we get a lot of these different species bleeding into human culture. Uh, they talked a lot about um, things and, like, our our mythology kind of forming from these things that came over from Malifaux. And this is especially true for Mimics. And they go into a lot of detail about how Mimics like to just fuck with people. That is their jam. That is what they're there for. That's all they want to do. So, hey, humans are a lot more fun to screw with than Nephilim. So um, the majority of the Neverborn that travel to Earth are mimics. Um, I also want to point out that they confirm that the Loch Ness Monster (laughs) is a fey beast that has traveled from Malifaux. So I love that. I'm just... That That's all I have to say. Yeah, that definitely needs to be a a miniature that they make, like the lock, the actual yes. legit Loch Ness monster, or at least a and nightmare. It's just the model. neck on a base. No, well, I, I was thinking, right? It would make how good? Okay, as soon as I say this, right, you're going to be like, yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? A nightmare model for the Malasaurus Rex. Yes, and all all oh. all Malasaurus Rex is yeah. just Nessie's neck hanging off a base. Yeah, well, I mean that. Yeah, that would because I mean it, one, it would be a fay. Right, and the second is oh. it would fit into EVA as a uh, explorer Ooh. society. So it would be, uh, it would still be a hybrid, as it were, and it could definitely I be counted as apex that. as well. But you know, just saying. I like to think I would enjoy it if they made something that actually fit on a fifty millimeter base. Like yeah, if, you, you, you <laughs> say it's just a neck, but I'd like to think that we think that a Nessie is just like a plesiosaur, but is in fact pretty much a humanoid body, but with a long ass dinosaur neck. <laughs> <laughs> just, just this bobblehead, which, which then leads us to the weird story that they're gonna write, where Lord Cooper hunts the Loch Ness monster with the help of of Maxine and her, you know, her boating skills. But he keeps getting bamboozled by this guy in a really, really, really big trench coat that seems to know a lot about the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, man. Okay. Uh, So we get into closer to what we see as modern Neverborn, modern Nephilim. Uh, They talk, this section is referred to as the Binding of Black Blood. 
So, after a lot of warring and clan sort of related things, the the, the Nephilim, they are referred to what we know as Nephilim, uh, sort of fall under one ruler, and that is Lorelei. You might have heard the name Lorelei because that's the name of the sword Nakima wields, and that's because it's her mom! Lorelei is Nakima's mom, and Lola's mom. Uh, and she was pretty cool, and then got into a bunch of fights, and Shazul kind of broke out, as you do, being a tyrant, it's kind of your thing. And this is bad, because tyrants, bad. Tyrants are bad. <clears throat> tyrants bad. And he was just messing stuff up and drinking blood like he does. And the Nephilim were like, okay, how do we fight this? We're all going to die. This sucks. And we th- we caged the last person that could help us. Whoops. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie. It's like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to uh, do this cool magical ritual, and then we're going to turn everyone's blood into acid. And, you know, the, the logical next step. <laughs> and, and, and thus began, like, the swinging 60s, where everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> Man, my blood oh, is you, acid. You, yes, it is. You like, you like black, but you like red blood? Well, now it's black, boy. Uh, deal with Good it. Luck. And then Shazul was like, ah, no, my one weakness. And um, yeeted himself <laughs> to Earthside to hang out with the dragon or something. Uh, no, it's okay. He turned himself into a sword. Yep. But we'll never also see him logical next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, once you, once you become a sword, I mean, that's pretty much it. You just disappear into obscurity. I mean, when was the last time you saw a sword? Um. <laughs> oh my god, yes. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? We, saw, we see a sword every time we go into our closet. Two. Two swords. If they're, if they're lock swords, they don't count. We they're don't, not lock swords. We don't want to let them know we own swords. <laughs> People think we're weird. Doug, we all oh, know please. you're the kind of person to own a sword. Yeah, yeah, that's not... It doesn't surprise me. You look like a sword person. Okay, look, look I, I was on a trip to <laughs> Europe, and I had a whole bunch of, like, touristy uh, <laughs> knick-knack money that I never spent on anything, and the last step was Germany. <laughs> Why not a sword? And I was like, what the fuck am I gonna spend this, like, $120 on? Why not a sword? I went into the shop. Oh, look! Swords! So so I can't take nail clippers on a plane, but apparently you can <laughs> get a sword from shipped. Germany. That's, that's, no, I guess it's fine. I had it shipped! It's the size of a child. I'm glad child. that that's your unit of measurement. This does, this makes me even more confident of you having a sword. Yeah, see, this it's is this is sword. this is America. We'll do anything it's, not to use the metric system. It's four foot ten. Yeah, I know, right? Five feet. Yeah, two whole inches. You know what? You I'm know, off it by two whole one whole child. Yes, one child. Come on, Mike. Just because we don't use the metric system, you need to understand our quantifiable rates. <laughs> Okay, okay, let's 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 convert it for the Aussie. <laughs> Four foot oh, God. ten. No, how dare you, Doug? Centimeters. You use centimeters, right? It's not like stone or whatever the fuck the English use. <laughs> Wait, that's weight. Never that's mind. Weight. 100, 147 centimeters. Oh my fucking god! I forget. People might actually listen to this podcast that don't live in the United States. I'm sorry. Please, not all of us are like me. No, we're going to be unapologetically American. All oh, right, that is that is what we do. Not not as because we're Americans, because we're steam powered scoundrels. Okay, moving moving on. We're getting away from the fluff. Okay, so blood <laughs> equals black. And this just kind of ruins your life. Uh, this is how the Nephilim go from kind of looking like humans to kind of looking like demons because the black blood just really messes them up. Um, 
And it's a reversible, great, cool. So that happened, and everything that wasn't associated with the Black Buds, uh, at this point, are Mimics or Woes, or Sillerids, which probably aren't Nephilim anymore. I don't think you're going to them Nephilim. So this is like the clean break between the original Nephilim created by the Tyrants and the Nephilim we see today. So moving on, Nephilim culture, Black Blood culture, very violent, ritualistic, brood-centric government. Cool thing, though, is apparently they have things called Living Blades. That's just like a side note. It's like, hey, uh, Living Blades are a thing. They are well, created they... They are created during the Tyrant Wars. Mm. They're kind of sort of alive, maybe, kind of. And they gave them to, like, the best of the best Nephilim. And so the best of the best Nephilim that are still alive today have living weapons. Okay, Nate, go ahead. No, yeah, that you basically covered it, but I was yeah. going to bring it up. That, yeah, they had mentioned that during the Tyrant War. They made these living blades for their... Basically, the true Nephilim, like, generals, to be the biggest and the strongest and hopefully maybe do some fighting off of the Tyrants. But one of those uh, not-so-great plans that didn't, you know, wasn't quite to the level of blasting everything with necromancy and hoping for the best. <laughs> yes. Okay, so eventually Lorelei got got. Uh, by another Nephilim, and Nekim is like, no, mom! And then she stabbed the guy that stabbed her mom to death. And because of that, she became the queen, which honestly, we have uh, Arthurian legend, and this is even better than that. Uh, you said something about... Nekima took out the sword. Yeah. yeah okay, Nekima took took the, took her mom, dead mom's sword, stabbed the dude, became queen because of that. And because she's so cool, she's like, you know what? You have a name, Mr. Sword? I'm gonna change that. You're now mom. Mom Blade. Which is why Mommy Sword. Uh, Nakima wields <laughs> Lorelei the Living Blade because it's her mom now. Actually, it has nothing to do with her mom. She just changed the name. Mommy Issues. It was Mom Sword. I don't think it contained Mom's blood, but now, now it's Mom. Now it's Mom. My mom is a sword. <laughs> is, this a, is this an anime? I, th- I'm tr- I desperately try to make everything about <laughs> my, my mom is a sword. <laughs> my mom is a sword. Um, so she rules as the new Nephilim queen for a while, uh, being, you know, her normal brutal self, killing things, ruling with an iron fist. Lilith is around this entire time, but she's the smart one and does all things like all smartly and secretive, uh, which is some- a sneaky one. Yeah, a lot of people like. And around this time, oh, hey, the humans show up. Hooray. Yay. I, I, I think more people like that Lilith's first reaction to someone disagreeing with her isn't murder. <laughs> That's like the third option. <laughs> it's really strange for enough. <laughs> right? They just like, That's pretty. That's pretty interesting. What do you mean by cool? difference. You mean like, punch it with your hands, right then? Is no. That, is that effective leadership? What the hell do you mean, negotiations? <laughs> okay, so humans show up, and we kind of know the history for from here on out, but we'll go into the things that like, we still didn't know about until now. Uh, humans show up, uh, immediately start like freeing tyrants, because the Nephilim are too fractured of an organization to keep a hold of their boxes. <laughs> um... The humans, show- <laughs> the humans show up and the Nephilim are like, oh, you no. And then the Mimics or Woes are like, yes, give yes. me. <laughs> Excellent, friends. And immediately just start messing with people because they're having fun. 
And uh, they even go into, like, the age of heroes and villains in the first Breach opening, and that a lot of these people are, in fact, mimics just putting on a play, more or less. <laughs> Which is beautiful. Uh, and one of the people actually involved in this is Lilith herself. Uh, she saw, like, the bad things humans were getting into, and she's like, I gotta resolve this myself. But hey, I look like a monster. <laughs> And they're not going to trust me if I look like a monster, so I'm going to make myself look like one of them. Oh, Miss Lilith, though, the process is irreversible. Well, that's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. And so that's how the story we got of Lilith looking like uh, just some poorly dressed ginger. Uh, Dude, I'm definitely getting sexy librarian vibes, just saying. Like, this is is hot librarian who calls plays on weekends. That explains a scythe, yes. Okay. Um, um, this was a. Uh, this was also because of the um, the rise of the resurrectionists, wasn't it? Like the first necromancer and the mm-hmm. hordes of the undead that Lilith sort of went. I need to fight with the humans because zombies, zombies suck for everyone. Uh, and the guys who read those books that Titania's creations wrote. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to be shot by these 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 gun toting lunatics. So I'm going to look like one of them, which because you know mm. they never shoot their own kind. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, they don't do that as much yet, but uh, soon. And this is back in the day black powder, so if they missed, you gotta wait. You gotta while <laughs> before they try again. <laughs> That's why the scythe was so effective at the time. Yeah. Um, so, despite her attempts, Lilith didn't manage to solve all the problems the humans were causing, and this, this, this sort of peaked, uh, came to a head in the rise of December, who immediately descended on Malifaux City and made his way towards the breach, hoping to, like, hoover up the magical juice for his own power. And the, the Neverborn are like, that bad? We get, we, we're going to stop that. So they th- both Lilith and Nakima gather up a whole posse of Nephilim, and they go, and they stop, stop December, mostly because they had a human with a s- sword of some kind that has no special properties whatsoever. It's Shizul. Uh, it has a sword with Shizul in it. And apparently stabbing a tyrant with another tyrant uh, hurts real bad. It works. And apparently. so, yeah, December got defeated and the guy holding Shizul is like, ah, my my life. And he dies. I would, it, smooth, smooth brain you know imprisoning would, a tyrant in a cage of their own power. I, I would love... Uh, wrinkled brain stabbing a tyrant with another tyrant. <laughs> I would, I would absolutely love to have seen that exchange. You know what I mean? Like, dis- uh, like December sitting there, all of a sudden, stab. Hey, man. Oh, hey. Uh, this is <laughs> been a while. This, this is kind. How are this things? Is kind of weird. How you doing down there? <laughs> this is kind of weird. Um, what are you doing? Uh, just you know, being a sword. Yeah, but I mean, more specifically, why are you here? Well, you know, I mean, being a sword, I don't have arms and legs, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, I get that. I get that you're after blood, but I thought we were cool, man. Like, you know, I don't even have blood, okay? It's all ice, uh, right? You you're and still you down for poker in a hundred years? <laughs> hey, just, did you fix things with Jessica? How is she doing? <laughs> oh. oh, wait, I'm dying. Ow. <laughs> you know what? You, that's that's very rude of you, Mister Shazul. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you through this ge- magical hole yeah. in reality. Yeah. Uh, and so the the Nephilim got together and like, hey, humans suck. We should kill all of them. 
Um, and Zoraida's like, hold up. I, I, I can I can plug the hole for exactly 100 years. Zoraida. The, 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 the human turns neverborn, kind of. <laughs> Whatever she is. Yeah. But we can't. We have to let them back because they are 100% critical to stopping the tyrants. And Nakima and Lilith are like, yeah, okay, cool. We still get to kill the ones that are here, right? And then they do. Uh, they just. <laughs> Nakima just has, like, the best week of her life hunting down all of the <laughs> squishy humans and killing them, despite them probably begging for their lives. Uh, Zoraida plugs the hole. And uh, everything is hunky dory for a hundred years. Well, yeah, well, no, uh, Lilith almost immediately. Well, go ahead. I was going to say. Ahead. I was going to say this is the most important piece of Malifaux history. <clears throat> the single most important piece. Oh right? yeah. Ah, when yes. when when the uh, the portal is about to close, right? As the portal is closing, right? Some bastard left Kalodi behind, right? On this side oh. of the bridge. That was yeah. That was yeah. And for a hundred years, this puppet. Who had only wanted to entertain children waited for humans to come back. He waited. I feel like that's well, what, that's Nikima's no, fault because yeah, well, well, he was like he was probably packing Kaladi up and then saw this demon coming at him and was like, "Oh fuck!" and ran yeah, away. Yeah. And and that was it. That was it. he just stayed there and he wanted to be happy. He wanted to entertain the kids. And a hundred years went by. That yeah, single most yeah, most important bit for me. F in chat for Kalani. And, and, and when they finally and when they finally came back, they made fun of him. They did they made fun of him and they shot at him? <clears throat> and now he's on um, freaking a desk. I mean, it's just it's not good for him. It's not good for him. He's he's such a such a good 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 puppet. Lucious he's a good well, puppet. You know, well, you know, clearly the the way that you're supposed to react to people making fun of you is you kill their children, kill their children, yeah. and, and make examples of them. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, Doug, you've made fun of me a lot. That's the, that is the appropriate. Oh no, <laughs> that was dark. I'm sorry. Uh, what, I was, what I was actually going to say was the um, <laughs> was the very iconic moment of the body being cast onto Earth as the breach was closing, with the word "hours" carved onto the chest, a, a symbol and a message to humanity uh, that there were, of course, the Neverborn. Who were seizing back uh, Malifaux from their uh, from the invading humans? Um, but I think one of the interesting things is there was lots of speculation as to who that guy was, who had done this sort of thing. And I think uh, in third edition it was made very very clear: one in Nakima's little Malifaux card, and secondly in this book here, it was of course Nakima sending a final message. To the humans, telling them basically, yeah, this is ours. Don't come back. Yeah, I, I except actually, they have to in a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, no, she wrote that in fine print on the di- dude's butt, but they never checked. Yeah, for <laughs> ours for the next hundred years. For a hundred years, mm. there's like a, she put an asterisk, but that was just you know, like right on the nipple, and they didn't. <laughs> anyways, uh, turns uh, out efforts <laughs> of diplomacy should be more than one word. I love, I love how you said asterisk. <laughs> 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 Uh, I think actually they confirmed that in the the second Ed core book, uh, through the breach. Did they? Core book. Yeah, I'm pretty Possibly. sure. It was like maybe they didn't use the specific name, but you do. Understand yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like I, I remember it was like incredibly heavily implied, like to the point where you almost didn't. But I think this one it says, "Yep, she took the body, she carved the name, she threw it over the thing." And then if you actually look at Nakima's list of powers and abilities, I believe. Here we go. Is, is one of them just ours? Yeah, I believe so. Unless I'm lying. 
I'll find it and I'll read it out, but yeah, keep going. I believe it was associated with her at some point. Maybe it was an upgrade or something. But yeah, I, I, I follow you. Yeah. Right, here we go. Hurl corpse. Uh, choose a corpse marker. Uh, place in base contact, yada, 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 deal damage, and then trigger hours after resolving enemy mods within two inches. Uh, the place marker must make a willpower duel against stunned. Ah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so she literally, yeah, carves hours and throws corpses. My, ours, ours, but mostly mine. But mostly mine. I would hate to be, the, like, the one guy on guard duty on the earth side side of the breach that day. <laughs> Just standing there and suddenly get beamed in the back of the head by a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start hearing people screaming and all this awful things, and then the the, the hole starts closing, and you don't. Who are you supposed to call for that? And then Ghost a Buster's body comes through with <laughs> the name ours written on it. That wasn't made by a sword. Why did they throw a sword? <laughs> maybe maybe it was like a fridge, and Nakima was making sure that no one like ate her lunch. <laughs> she didn't mean to throw it through. She was gonna eat that later. Okay. So, uh, breach closes, humans are slaughtered, Lilith, uh, goes home and, like, plots against Nakima, and the rest of the Nephilim pretty much side with her. There's a bit of fighting, but eventually Lilith takes the throne as the Nephilim queen for a hundred years, and despite Zoraida being like, okay, you need to take these a hundred years to, like, bulk up your forces and fix all the problems, get ready for the humans to come back, and they don't do that. Of course not. At <laughs> all. Why would you do whatsoever. that? Whatsoever. They'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it don't worry yeah and then it was like oh shit it's a hundred years already and people start coming back <laughs> oh fuck that was today <laughs> <laughs> okay um so yeah breach reopens and we the, we kind of know the story from here uh they go into some of the other backstory fluff stuff but we, we pretty much know it more or less so the rest of the book is is kind of talking about the different races of Neverborn, primarily Nephilim, Woes, Mimics, and now uh, Nightmares, which are pretty pretty brand spanking new. I think they're even like just showing up the second time the breach opens. I don't I don't even think they show up the first time. And the Nephilim are, are the Neverborn are pr- kind of sus of the 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 Nightmares, but like not enough to like hey you you can just work with us. That's fine. Nothing's amiss. You know, uh, if, um, if you ever played um, Warcraft, like the original like Warcraft <laughs> video games and stuff like that, I always associated the uh, the Neverborn with the the um, the Night Elves. Like, you know, you had the humans and the orcs battling it out, and then uh, you know you had the humans and the dwarves, and you know all these other races kind of at war. And then somewhere along the line, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, this entire time there were there were this whole species of of uh, dark elves that were watching you the whole time. It's like kind of feels a little bit like that, where it's like, uh, oh yeah, by the way, there's also blah, an entire <laughs> entire cultures of of all these these neverborn that were just watching you and didn't want to interact with you because you're all bastards. <laughs> We have nothing to do with a tyrant, no sir. Yeah, <laughs> nightmare beings—that doesn't sound familiar at all. You know, all no, no, we spell night. We, we spell nightmare with an I. Completely different. Yeah. And all it would have really totally taken. Different. All it would have really taken would have been, hey, listen, I know you're new here, but there are thirteen like godlike creatures that'll murder everyone. Don't go near those things. All right, bye. <laughs> tyrant bad. Tyrant bad. <laughs> tyrant this, en- bad. this entire book just boils down to tyrant bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then after after the backstory, we get into like a list of like interesting characters 
to utilize into your campaign from the different races. So we got the Fey, which lists Titania, who's a keeper. Not that kind of cool. Well, I don't know. Maybe a keeper. Euripides as as a gigant, a gigant, a gargant. Uh, that giant word. Big a boy. Big, big boy. Big icy big boy. Icy boy. In, in Australia, I've started te- taking to calling him Big Ripper. <laughs> big Ripper. <laughs> yes. And then um, a new name that we haven't heard before, which is Valona. Valona. Who just really likes the moon. I don't like how much um, Weird is putting attention on the moon recently. Why not? Oh, it's just it's just the suspicions and stuff. It'll be fine. You know, like the like there's a fine. um like there's they've released an adventure module. It is called Voyage to the Moon. Journey to the Moon. Voyage oh, to the yeah, Moon. That one. <laughs> yep. Classic. We've actually played that. We've played yeah, that one, yeah. Yep. yep. I love it. Uh, yeah, I I, I, I <laughs> did the, the playtest of it and I was just like, Oh yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense and I'm like, hmm. And uh looking the at like moons. the um like just the the idea of like going to the moon and stuff like that. I, I love the idea of because I know how much the like kind of early space race kind of thing happened, but it would have been it, I can only imagine like what kind of creative energy you'd have trying to do the space race equivalent. Like who's going to get to the two moons of Malifaux first? Is it going to be the ten thunders? Charles Hoffman heads Guild NASA. Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> New Explorer Society captain Charles Hoffman leaves the guild, joins the Explorer Society, goes to the moon. Uh, yeah. Oh, I fucking love an Explorer Society Arcanist. And finds the Oa. Yes, he finds them. The best on the moon. Best puppy in all of Malifaux. Yeah. They're, 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 they're fine. They're just on the moon Yeah, they're just... They had spaceships. They just went to the moon. Yeah, we just left, we just left, (laughs) we just left our dumbest member there, you know. (laughs) We call, we we didn't even give her a name, right? Like, we just put something we just really didn't like. We just left her behind. The rest of us just—they were so oof. dumb they couldn't even remember their name. Yeah. <laughs> we called her. We called her. We don't even remember their name. Jeez. <laughs> okay, Valana. It's sort of like a shaman esque type character. Hype. They refer to her as a high priestess, and she she just does stuff a lot with like moon powers. Well, not, not actually moon powers. I just like saying the word moon powers. Moon powers. Priestesses moon powers. from secret orders tend to rituals when the moons are in certain phases. That sort of thing. I like her. I'm not entirely sure how one could include her in your campaigns unless you're running a Neverborn specific one. Um, because we just, we're just now learning about her despite her existing in like the Knotwoods. I feel like you could bring her up as like just like a very mysterious figure. Like you just happen upon her sanctum or whatever and there's this freaking moon priestess with all kinds of crazy information for you. Shows up, throws you a sword and leaves. Well, you know, um, oh, flip okay. a card, you take that much mental damage as your head explodes. From the lore dump. Well, I think one of the things you could really look at doing with uh, a character like that is you could look at um, dipping into the whole concept and notion of astrology. While, of course, astrology for humankind is very well known, and like I said, we can take a lot of our knowledge from here and transpose it into our game world, it'd be very interesting to be able to try and take the same ideals and play that with the Neverborn. So maybe it's like, oh, Jupiter is in is descending, and Pisces is, is saying that we should go and explore this area of the wood because something in in the knotwood is going to reveal itself at this equinox and um yeah you know like those happen to coincide with Valona's own thing so now there's a contested area where these black blood shamans are like you know trying to do some stuff 
you know, you can have some intermittent connections between those sort of astrological beliefs and this this Neverborn that's that's also kind of doing their own thing as well. You have just now made me terrified that my zodiac sign in Malifo is the Silurid. <laughs> <laughs> Von Stuck really wants to meet this lady. <laughs> yeah, like she's totally she understands the stars thing. She's fine. Von Stuck looks at the stars and is like, you know what? I think making uh, undead mechanical monstrosities is a little bit easier of a job. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He's basically like, behold, I have created Toaster Boy. (laughs) I have ripped off off the head of this small child and replaced it with the toaster. (laughs) And And this is more sane than doing Malifaux astrology. (laughs) But why is his arms made of knives? Why not? How are you going to slice bread? (laughs) Knives are very useful. (laughs) It is the best thing. (laughs) It is the best thing to slice bread. No, no, no. I said you should make something that's the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, my God, Von Stuck, what have you done? I have done horrible things in the name oh, of... Von Stuck, not a kid. This is... That's our Stucky. And this isn't even one child. This is... <laughs> there are several. This is several children. This is several. <laughs> that explains why all those orphanages went missing. Oh, God. How was I supposed to... Yeah, you really kid had on that one. <laughs> oh. Oh. Charles, no. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, here here's a tasteless joke. Uh, they they revealed the fact that uh, title cards are going to be a thing in Malifo now. Oh, yeah. And someone posted on on a weird place like, "Hey, name some title cards that are def- that are going to happen." Wrong answers only. And I was this close to saying that Hoffman's new title card is Iron Lung. <laughs> Bad tasteless joke. Let's move on. Uh, oh, um, you could have a title card like Ryle's photo. Oh, <laughs> sad face. Okay, other other notable characters that are never born. Uh, let's get into the Nephilim. Hey, Nakima, Lilith. You know these. You know these characters. Lilith is in a hole, so she's probably not going to come up as someone you can interact with. Probably. I wouldn't let her out, regardless. Although that uh, that's, that being said, somebody who wasn't mentioned in 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 this particular uh, section that I think should have in place of Lilith is Barbaros. Mm. Ah. So yeah, so Barbaros for or Hayred. for those of you, yeah, well, yeah, and Hayred, I guess. But um, so Barbaros was a very interesting one because when Lilith got banished, he was the only super loyal Nephilim that basically said. I'm not falling under Nakima's rule. I am loyal to Lilith and actually uh, changed factions, became an outcast from the Neverborn. So he's, uh, uh, with the exception of the enslaved Nephilim, he is the only other Nephilim that is not a Neverborn now. Fuck you. Fuck your house. I am out. uh, I'm going to go hang out with my boyfriend. And yes. hey, hey, Redden, who decided the opposite was true, is like, oh, you don't care if necromancy is a bad thing? Well, have I got well, some exactly. things to tell you? Let me come well, on back. We're subservient to a queen, and she's kind of an undead person, so we kind of have to lay off that a little bit. But yeah, no, um, oh goodness, he would be so, he's such a good tool for Through the Breach, because he's the connection, he's the bridge between the human world and the Neverborn world. Mm. Because he's managed to integrate himself into human society. I mean, it's the outcast, so it's the outcast human society. But, like, if you want to introduce your human party into Neverborn business, he is an absolutely great gateway to use. Mm, Absolutely. 
Also, he is 100% the Falcon in the Falcon and Winter Soldier version in Malifaux being uh, Barbaros and Bishop. Don't at me. Hell yeah. Also, they're dating. Moving also on. Also that. <laughs> uh, a Nephilim that we haven't seen mentioned uh, is Castor. Uh, Castor. He is an ancient Neph- Neph- Nephilim. Your typical, like, giant demon-looking man, probably. I would venture to get... If you go over to the, um, bestiary section, I, I, you can't convince me that he is not, like, the inspiration for the artwork of the ancient Nephilim. I hope he is. Yep. Yeah. I fucking, I love this concept. He is, he is so fucking cool. Oh, but yeah, like, the interesting God. thing about him is that he's kind of, uh, squirreled himself away, and he just doesn't interact with anyone whatsoever. Him and his brood are just kind of... Ostracized, they, they they self ostracized from the rest of the Neverborn. And the interesting thing about him himself is that he the the whole black blood thing kind of messed him up in a different way than everyone else. So he's he's pretty much a Neverborn vampire. Whereas the rest of the the Nephilim sort of grow and thrive off of red blood, he can only feed off of black blood. You know what I just kind of realized. He's kind of the Nephilim equivalent of uh, 40K's Emperor of Mankind. Mm. where they, The Emperor of Mankind is sustained by like a thousand human souls <clears throat> per day. Castor like uh, is kept in stasis, otherwise they have to feed him like 20 Nephilim a day to just stay active and alive. So like anytime they need him, he's like, here's like a hundred children. Eat them and then like <laughs> tell, us, tell us what you know, man. I think more than anything else, I just really want to see a mini made for that one. Oh, absolutely. Oh, like, you know, yeah. even just the ancient Nephilim, like an ancient Nephilim. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm going to go out and loo and say it. I like the old adult Nephilim, or the old mature Nephilim models. I love the big, bulky, heavy, like kind of wide and chunky. broad look. I like the chunkier look on these guys. The, you like yourself a Neverborn beefcake. Yeah, yeah. The second, the, the, the new, the new edition is definitely cool. It's very monstrous. But I feel like it's comparing, like, the Baylor from Lord of the Rings to, like, what is effectively a gorilla with wings. <laughs> and both are cool. <laughs> both are cool, mind you. But looking at, like, the true Nephilim uh, artwork for the true Nephilim, uh, the ancient Nephilim, sorry, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, it reminds me of the Kinari from, like, Dragon Age, where it's, like, you know, huge horns, massive broad shoulders, wings and stuff. I'm like, ah. And your 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 caster. I love it. <laughs> It reminds me of the gargoyles from Gargoyles. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved gargoyles. Everyone loved gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Everyone. It taught, it, Everyone. And you know what? Gargoyles had, it was the first time I ever had to interact with gun safety, and it's not a thing in Australia, so all it was was a super violent episode of a children's cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from an American. Okay. The last Nephilim, and this is this is Nephilim's multiples, is oh good god. Etta Kithe? Yep. Well done. Sounds about right. Ten points. Yeah, roughly that. Etta Etta Kithe, which is sort of like a magical council of black blood shaman who are like keepers of the, the forbidden knowledge, and like people will make pilgrimages to them to learn dark secrets about magic and stuff, and a lot of people die along the way. Really cool. Probably not something you're going to rub your humans into. I don't think them stumbling upon this this council all in the Knotwoods is going to do anything good they for them. They will die. <laughs> they they will die. Very extra die. You know who could get through it, well, though? Well, you know what? That, that, being said, that being said, look, I mean, this is, this is where I thrive, 
if you were to put a gun to my head and tell me make a story where humans could exist in that, I would probably do something along the lines of people have wandered a little too close and the uh, Itakite have managed to acquire these humans and they are going to murder them for sport. So they give the, the group a chance to survive by doing, you know, something silly or, you know, like, you know, bring me the claw of a Slate Ridge Mauler, you know, and you, you have to do so with this sharp rock or something like that. And, um, you know, yeah, you go through the adventure, you do your thing, you get there, and then at the end of the Itakite, they still kind of murder you. But, you know, death oh. is not always... And the... on the other team, Lord Cooper. Yeah, or, or yeah, and or, or Lord Cooper manages to evacuate you and get you out, you know what I mean? Like, there's a whole bunch of, like, like great stories that I think you could really start tapping into if you kind of view them as, like... The, thing, the idea of Neverborn killing on sight does not necessarily need to extend to immediately, relentlessly, and without re- without reason or, 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 or ration. The Neverborn yeah. themselves definitely have their own ruthlessness to them, but that ruthlessness can be expressed in a number of different ways. As, as you said, Barbaros is such a key figure because that proves that Neverborn can think for themselves and they can dissent from the rest of the group. Mm. This, in the exact same sort of vein, if I was going to involve the Itakithe with hu- a human party, I would use Barbaros, and I would say that... So, uh, we didn't get into this, but uh, when Nakima sort of took over Lilith's domain, she just kind of killed everyone and destroyed this really important relic to the, the Nephilim. And I'd say the Itakithe are the ones that now possess the like shards of the Broodstone. And Barbaros is the one that goes to this party. She's like, hey, I gotta, gotta sort of uh, suicide mission for you. Can you steal this for me? So I can sort of develop this underground Nephilim like resistance movement and go about it that mm, way. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, I like I like myself some 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 heists. Mm. <laughs> uh, they tend to go wrong uh, sometimes <laughs> because I am dumb and didn't realize that summoning a fire golem inside of an entirely wooden structure is a bad idea. <clears throat> oh, have you played um? What's what's that <laughs> one with Cooper? Cooper Jones, his little little side story. Uh, backdraft? backdraft, yeah, the backdraft side story. No, but I read it. was hilarious. You wake up like you wake <laughs> up like half drunk with a fire golem inside of a burning shack. You're like, how did I get here? <laughs> that's what? awkward. And that's that's just how it starts. I love I love premises like that. Okay, we got the woes. Um, right. Most of these are. I mean, okay, they 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 list three. One of them is just like the people that the the woes that hang around with Pandora. That's that's sort of the detail they get into. Candy and uh, Cade, basically. Ca- Candy and Cade. After that, it is the Weeping Man. He's probably sad. He's a sad boy. Yeah, he, he basically feeds on people's sadness mm. and then, like, makes them more sad and then leaves them. Yep. Like, I'm sad, therefore I will make you sad. Thank you for the sad he's, juice. He's I'm the happy. weaker of the two. I think Miss Violet is just yeah. so oh, much geez. cooler. Miss Violet is awesome. I, I, talk about Miss Violet. I, I, look, I like the Weeping Man, personally. I, I mean, I'm always, I'm always going to take the opposite sides here. Uh, I like the Weeping Man. <laughs> I, I like the Weeping Man because, for me, I always imagine him as, like... Uh, like somebody who like whispers to like like authors and like playwrights and stuff like Edgar Allan mm. Poe and stuff and uh, you know oh. have have them like sort of cry write down texts and then commit suicide or some nonsense and then you're like the spirit of the sad yeah boy. you know and then and then you have like this uh, this almost like a a trail <laughs> of like murder mysteries and all it comes down to is this this 
super sad woe of grief and misery. But yeah, Miss Violet. I love Miss Violet. Like, she shows up, you're pissed off at someone. Miss Violet shows up and goes, oh yeah? Tell me about it. Tell me, tell me how mad you are. And let's make you matter. And she just gets you so worked up that you go and murder whoever's pissed you off. And then she feeds on your rage. And then you're like, oh, I, I would not have normally done yeah, that. So, so Miss Violet is basically my uh, sister. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just happen to have this bag full of Lissa. So, uh, have fun with that. You want a knife? I've got like ten knives here. <laughs> go kill someone. Okay. Notable mimics. Lucius, kind of. Sort of. They Maybe. imply that he is a mimic, but also What do you mean not. imply? He shapeshifted into a giant monster and ripped off Collodi's head. I mean, perhaps <laughs> they, he always but, had that stuff underneath the gloves and the coat and whatnot. That, that's like, the crazy thing. Like, literally the first line of his, his bio here is, while not a mimic himself, it's like, well, fuck, what is this guy? Yeah. He, like, here's the thing. Uh, all Neville, Neverborn, all... All of these guys have mutable forms. They can change. It's easy. So he might have started off as a mimic, but he has grown or evolved into something not quite the same. I mean, mimics are never really known for their combat prowess. So the fact that Lucius has managed to, like, I can just wreck the puppet man with four arms speaks volumes to what he's become in some way. So here's my uh, thought. Lucius yeah. is an Oa, right? Ooh. Just, <laughs> it's just everyone's an Oa. That has has to be it. Yep. It's a, yeah, seeing him everywhere. Uh, no. Um, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's probably the most sensible explanation. Like, the the idea that he was maybe a mimic that became something more. Because um, if I remember the story from the uh, Neverborn faction book correctly, yeah, he goes through, like, a kind of metamorphosis, which, as you say, Nephilim can go through. Tear apart, tears apart Kalodi and then returns to his, you know, rather dapper demeanor before carrying on. Okay, Lucius noted. The Liar's Willow, which is some sort of mimic tree man that other mimics sort of seek out for advice or information. I don't... I forgot what, the, what, 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 he, was, what he does. This one's also an Oa. <laughs> yeah, the, the Liar's Willow is also an awe. <laughs> yeah, he just offers secrets to any mimics who can get to him and offer him a or offer them a uh, some kind of offering. Mm. Really few- cool though, like the concept of a mimic tree is just really neat. Mm. A mimic might be able to hear secrets whispered from the willow's splitting lips. And tiny mouths, secrets of transformation, imitation, and ancient magic. He has a lot of little mouths. He's got a ton, bunch of, like, every, you, you didn't know trees are made up of just tiny mouths? Tiny baby mouths. Everyone knows that. <laughs> uh, Lady in the Looking Glass. Um, this is, just fucking nightmare fuel. <laughs> just as nightmarish I mean, as Gorilla with Wings. Thank you for that. I mean, people in mirrors has been a horror trope for a long time. True. Um, this is basically a mimic that was really, really good at imitation to a point where, like, people found her to be a problem, and so they trapped her in a room full of mirrors, so she just only sees herself and then tries to copy herself, but you can't do that, because that's using double negatives, so she's just sort of trapped. And definitely nothing is going to free her, because nothing ever gets freed from its cage in Malifaux. <laughs> yeah, no, cages are 100% effective in Malifaux. Yep. <laughs> 
Um, and there's one other notable mimic that's in this book that is on page 158, uh, and that is Klaus Norwood. Klaus! Who, Klaus! Uh, now, Klaus, I think, is a very important one because what he is used for as a Fate Master is a really good way for you to seed information if your players get stuck on any part of your adventure. Like, if they missed a clue or if, they, if they're struggling to solve a puzzle, Klaus is kind of like this figure that knows a little bit of everything and trades information for those who, are, who come across him. And I think that's a really useful as a, a both a really cool and vivid character for the world, as well as a um, a cool tool for you if you're being a fate master. You and I love the same characters, and and this is the same reason why I love Barbaros and why I think you love Barbaros in some way. He is a bridge between humans and Neverborn. Yes, hundred percent. So that's okay. No, we have we have Anton De- Anton Anton Devils, uh, who is pretty much the guy who created the Court of Two. The mimic, the mimic who created the court of two, but that's that's the other side stuff. So I'm not entirely sure how much he's going to would show up in a through the breach campaign unless you're doing an Earthside thing. But I mean, he has a lot of far-reaching. Power. As you say, he seems to have power in every human government across Earth, so he might be a little important. <laughs> slightly, slightly important. But I don't want to have anything super duper exciting to talk about him. But I'm going to go back to this one page, page 40, because, oh, this makes me excited. So we have the mimic version of the Dead Man's Ball. We have Many Face Masquerade, which is just a mimic's party where mimics get to do mimic things, try to fuck with each other and trade information. And it sounds so great and so catty. Think about a party consisting of everyone that's trying to be Lucius, including Lucius himself. Oh my god, yes. And you're that just party dumb. is so crunk. You're dumb as rocks party. Because everyone used intelligence as a dumb stat and just stumbles in there. The smartest one in the party is playing a gremlin. Yeah, and like the, the best part about it is like the mimics, they're not gonna kill you. They're just gonna fuck with you. You know, I um I actually played around with the idea of a masquerade ball where the group gets invited and they're the only humans. And, um, and the goal—it's actually like a like a high society mimic. Like it's a tradition where they try to conduct the entire evening, slowly picking off each of the uh, the PCs without them ever realizing that you, that you're a mimic. So the person, oh God. so the the person who manages to kill the most PCs wins, quote unquote, that particular evening's affair and wins like a little gift basket. <laughs> All right, don't go to any parties in Michael's games. Got it. It's, got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's got some crackers and some fancy cheeses. Yeah, and, yeah. and the, the, way, the way to win the charcuterie board of death. Yeah, and the uh, the way to the way to quote unquote win that game would be to try and escape. Or hell, if you if if they realize that literally everyone but the four of them are mimics. But what would also be really funny or, is if I. What if the party doesn't realize that they were mimics the whole time? Oh yeah, well that's that was the other thing. Is if uh, what I would also maybe try to sneakily do is have three out of the four party members also be mimics. <laughs> so, so there's just... And they have to... Yes. And, and, there's only, and, and, and there's only one, one dude oh. left. Oh, no. It's like, it's, like, it's like playing... um It's like playing... What's that game? Um, oh. uh, Town of Salem or um, Among Us. Yep. In, uh, Among Us, yeah. Secret Hitler, anything like yeah. that. But everyone but one guy is Mafia. the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Okay, so hot takes, lukewarm takes, because this has been multiple weeks since we last recorded with Michael. Thank you for your patience. No, no, it's okay. Like I said, I was I've been looking forward to, to talking about this because, uh, you know, as a role player, story, adventure, characters, these are the things that kind of drive me to to enjoy this 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 game. So thank you for for having me back. As for hot takes, uh, I have done a review on on this book. It is definitely in my top three. It probably tr- trades places frequently with my second place. Top for me is always going to be Above the Law. Uh, and the second one is the... <laughs> I mean, you're wrong, but okay. Above the Law is just so good. It's ver- <laughs> it's because it's, it's, it's the most versatile one, in my opinion. But following that, it's uh, a tie between Under Quarantine and, and this book. And they trade... Uh, so uh, Into the Bayou is above the numbering system, right? <laughs> look, most <laughs> sure, yeah. grandmas can't count. Look, look, look. I, I, look, believe it or not, I actually find it is much easier to get a Neverborn into a group of adventurers than it is to get a Gremlin. Because getting a Gremlin into a group, group of adventurers, you know, you've got to get all the players to be like, okay, cool, there's a Gremlin. And then you have to have every single human being that they ever come across go, hmm, okay, a Gremlin, I guess we're going to accept you as... A human, I mean, which isn't accepting the, a gremlin, it's pretending the gremlin's not there. Which, you know, <laughs> at least with the Neverborn, you know, you've got disguises uh, for the mimics and stuff. They got the half bloods. You know, there 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 are little workarounds that you can. Which do. is a bit fucked up because gremlin is less likely to kill you on sight than a Neverborn. That, that's very true, but I mean, if you come from a country where you've got cane toads, you kind of understand what people think about gremlins. Fair enough. All, All right, right. So, I get that. That's a good. That's a good analogy. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I, as far as, as far as the book goes, it is really, really good. Like I said, even with the undead and stuff, trying to hide a monstrous and, you know, I don't mean evil, I mean monstrous. You know, trying to hide a monstrous character among what would be a standardized through the breach game is quite difficult. So the integration between the two is very well supported in this book and through these pages. So I'm, why I'm very pleased with it. Um, playing an all Neverborn party is also very, very fun. And I think that there's a lot to be said about the lore that has been given that would allow for a group of Neverborn to really get their money's worth out of a journey through Malifaux as a non-standard, you know, human faction. I'm going to go last. So Victoria and Nate fight over who goes next. I have I have no takes whatsoever. I'm too... Victoria is suffering from the 5G. That she had. Her, her second dose of 5G came in today. So. The, uh, Delicious the 5D is, G juice. Oof. The microchip is integrating currently. It's still so. uploading to the satellite. Yeah, sadly yeah. she got the uh, Windows Vista version, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a hot take, but just I want to point something out that I hope any Fate Masters listening pay some attention to, because this is something that, like, if I was in a game, I would be really excited to see come up. It's page 48. It's in the Malifaux area, like notable locations in Malifaux. And that's Harvey's Antique Coins and Curios. Yes! I forgot I'm not going to say anything about it, but I absolutely love this little, this little location. Like it's everything. It, it's just, it's great. I can't express just the, the ideas that like the story hooks I could see coming from this particular yes. location. That one, the one right after it, which is Jenkins Jar. Oh, yeah, Jenkins no. Jar is also quite brilliant. Uh, ironically, uh, Harvey's Antique Coins and Curios, I, I already kind of had something like that in my adventures. Yeah, where- I was I was playing in a game where I had basically 
made a character that he wasn't never born, but he was basically Mr. Harvey. And I was like, oh shit, it's in this book now. Yeah, like, this yeah. is it was very cool. Awesome. My guy was a, um, he's, he's on the train platform and he has this little sh- card of wares and he's like your typical snake oil salesman. He's like, you're there. Yes, I see you've just come off the, off the train. Have you considered what type of shoes you need? Here, I've got these, that, you know. And he's just like always trying to peddle some, some something. Oh, and well, he's just been stealing shoes from like one of the shoe shiners. <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah. His name was Badham. <laughs> Badham. Okay, Doug. Doug's hot takes. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be great. Okay, first off, Michael kind of hinted at it, but if you're running a game, don't hold yourself to the sort of rules and understandings that Weird has laid out to be the standard Malifaux. Do what makes the best stories. So if you want Neverborn to be sort of more accepted in certain circles of society, that's cool. Humans have had like 10 years at this point to kind of get used to the locals. And humans are really good at adapting and really cool at uh, like dealing with or learning to exploit things so i think like besides barbaros there's a lot out there that we're not being told of of humans being like you know what killing each other kind of sucks here this is called chocolate (laughs) yeah like it's the the best thing in the world the way i kind of view like the world as a whole is that a lot of the opinions of the various like factions and beings in malifaux is like basically guild propaganda yes i feel like there's got to be more like more reasonable folks than not amongst like the masses of both the Neverborn and humanity and like mm-hmm. and the gremlins. Yeah. Who like can actually come to accords and be like, just because the guys in the red coats say you're assholes doesn't mean you <laughs> yeah. are. Like we can work some out here. Like for example, for example, in pretty much every iteration of Edgeport that I play with in my games, it's pretty much New Orleans. Kind of a like party town where they've integrated their culture with gremlins enough where i mean it's not like gremlins are allowed in high society but they're allowed their own like quarter of the city where they've mama deeds yeah yeah i have this barbecue place run by a gremlin that has showed up in every one of my games it's it's called mama deans yeah it's 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 shit like that this world like weird has set out a template for you just modify it however you want to make the coolest shit Go ahead, dude. Like, no one is holding you to make it the most, cl- the closest to Vanilla Malifaux because Vanilla Malifaux is really sad, and I don't, <laughs> I don't gel that well with sad. So I have you in- integrated as much like shitty humor as possible <laughs> in my games. But yeah, that's the through the breach thing. But here's, here's like, here's my major head cannon that I'm going to spoil for you guys. So h- hear me out. I think that Janice is either itself or an avatar of Nameless. Ooh. Oh, yeah, no, we talked about this, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. We, we did talk Briefly. about this. But the fact that Janice is so confident in both picking up, re- collecting all these, like, relics, all these machinery that the Nameless had created lends itself to that. She seemed to be really interested in these pieces of a machine that we don't know the origin of. But also, like, the, the balls that Janice has to be like, hey, Cadmus, you're going to come work for me and nothing bad is going to happen. 
it sort of seems like Janus knows exactly how to control Cadmus and not it's got let it big tyrant energy written all over it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like even the the blurb you talked about, the sort of poem type thing, kind of lends itself to being like Janus might not be human or fully human. Okay, this is the blurb for for Nameless. The one of no name, burdened with vessels of curious purpose, who waits until the wanderers return and the twelve have been brought low. That wa- wanderers is a strong word in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that screams explorer society to me, to me. And I could be wrong, and that's cool. I'm wrong on a lot of these things, and I don't give a damn. We're but wrong so but I, I just love reading these things and be like, oh man, what if? What if this? So that's that's the one like sort of idea I want to plant in your head that's not related to uh, Through the Breach. But um, yeah, we've been rambling long enough. We've We've spoiled. All the things possible. <laughs> All, the things. All the things. Read the book first. Now here, the, now that we're here at the end of the episode, <laughs> read the book first. Yeah. I'll put something in the beginning. Be like, yeah. hey, re- read the book, coward. We'll, we'll edit. We can, we call people cowards a lot. Well, we Nate do. calls people cowards all the time, so it's going to be a thing with us. Uh, but yeah, that, that's good. It's late. We're tired, so we're just going to say our goodbyes. So thank you so much, Michael, for feeling like we're worth your time. Oh, this this is this is honestly just so much fun. And you know what? Uh, more importantly, I think it's important that we recognize that through the breach is amazing. Malifaux is amazing. The mm-hmm. other side is amazing. Um, and the amount of effort that goes to integrating all three together in the same cohesive story is absolutely phenomenal. It, it should be. It is definitely something worth appreciating. And um, yeah, if you love a good story, take the time and just enjoy. Enjoy everything this book has to offer. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, Nate, for being here and representing Roman, who is also suffering from the 5G virus. Yep. I'm here, and I can only echo what Michael just said. Like, I, I haven't read most of the Through the Breach books, but like when I sat down and actually read this one, because like, you can just kind of tell it's a big deal, and it's just like, oh, oh, there's so much here. This is so dense. <laughs> With just weird little tidbits and story bits and it's really cool so this was fun yeah thanks victoria for sticking around and yeah surviving <laughs> uh wouldn't be able to do this podcast without my wife folks send her a thank oh, you sure someday you no i wouldn't no okay and you know what F- fuck it every time we've we've done these i'm like hey go out and buy the book you 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 jerks you jerk read the holes. Book, you cowards read read the book you cowards i'm not going to say it this time not just because I forgot to at the beginning. But Michael made a good point. Buying the books is nice. But the most important thing is to go out and play the damn game. Yes. I'd rather you play the game than buy the books. And honestly, I, I'm not speaking for weird, but I think they would just rather people enjoy the game. Because that is how it gets the word out, and the people that can afford the books will buy them, and it will spread, and this great, amazing game will reach more people. So play the game, please. If anything. Alright. That is all of us. And as I always say at the end of these things, fun is always king. If you enjoy yourself some RPGs, you'll probably enjoy Through the Breach. Have a good night and goodbye. Bye. Bye.
Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.